Welcome builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Hello, builders. We would love to welcome you to this episode of the Build Your Success Podcast. Here at the Build Your Success Podcast, we like to build you so you can build others. We do that through our coaching and training and our workshop events, but we also do that with special guests we bring to you via this podcast, the Build Your Success Podcast. I'm grateful today to have Oscar Trimboli. Oscar is on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners. He is an author. He is the host of Apple award-winning podcast, Deep Listening. We know how important listening is. We're going to, that's going to be a lot of what we talk about today. And he's a sought-after keynote speaker. He's passionate about using the gift of listening to bring positive change in homes, workplaces, and cultures worldwide. Welcome to the podcast today, Oscar. G'day, Brian. Really looking forward to listening to your questions. That is wonderful. You know, you and I share this as a passion. I do a workshop called Hear and Be Heard as part of my training. And I know listening is just so important and valuable as a leadership skill and just overall in, in life to, to become better and, and, and just recognize and respect others is what it really boils down to. Yeah, I think one thing great listeners know that people who don't listen well don't know is a great listener can change the way a speaker communicates. And if you're in conversations where people ramble, go on, go around in circles, that half of that has got to do with the way you're listening. Great listeners change the way the speaker communicates. That is great. And and for the listeners, you'll listen here that Oscar, he's from another part of the world. So here I am in the Southern United States. Oscar, tell the listeners where you're from. I'm from the other south, south of the equator in, in Sydney in Australia. And uh, I've loved, lived, was born here and spent a lot of time traveling to the west coast of the United States for many different careers in the software and telecommunications industry. So um, spent a lot of July conferences in, in Florida, in Hotlanta. And one you were lucky enough to go to uh, to Denver, and it wasn't as as humid as it was uh, in the South, where you're from. Well, Oscar, we would welcome you back to Florida more in the September, October, March months. Those are a lot better months than July for you. But let, let's dive into now that we know a little bit about you. Let's dive into the podcast now. What we're going to ask you our signature question: What does leadership and being a leader mean to Oscar Tremboli? Yeah, I think. Um, managers get work done when they're around and leaders inspire people to deliver great results when the leader is not present. And I learned this firsthand growing up uh, with my dad on a construction site. From the age of eight, I was doing lunch orders for the builders. My dad was a concreter. And he would often say to me, there, there are two types of bricklayers, Oscar. There's the bricklayers that lead the crew. And when the foreman goes away, the work continues. And there are others that the minute the foreman leaves, the work stops. And to me, that was a really early insight into the difference between managing and leading. Leaders inspire people to do things when they're not around because they've got a reason to. 
Oh, I love that. I love that they inspire people to do things when they're not around. Uh, as you know, I came from the construction industry, 28 years in industrial construction. One of the things that I did was I'd show up to a job site unannounced, and I'd love to see that people didn't flee or scatter when I showed up. They just continued doing what they were doing. But when you see people start to scatter, you realize, okay, they weren't busy when I got here. They're, they're trying to get busy now. But uh, appreciate that. And so doing something when people aren't around is, is, is a great uh, way to show leadership. And now let's talk about your specialty, this listening. You know, one of the things you have that is a great question, what is not listening in the workplace? How does that impact workplaces? Yeah, I think when listening is not present, uh, costs are higher, quality is lower. You probably don't deliver to spec. You probably don't deliver on time or worse still. You do deliver on time, you do deliver to budget, but you don't deliver to spec because you really didn't spend enough time talking to all the, all the stakeholders there. And then the biggest cost of all is when great staff leave the organisation before they want to or before you expect them to leave. And the cost of recruiting and retraining and getting new folks into your organisation is, is a cost a lot of people don't take into account. So there are many costs when it comes to not listening in any organization, whether that's in the private or the public sector. And the big reason why people aren't aware of these costs is this very simple set of numbers. If you know these numbers about listening, you'll understand why it's really important not to listen to what people say, but to listen to what they don't say. If you know that I speak at about 125 words a minute, yet I think at 900 words per minute. So that means the very first thing that I say, it's about 14% of what I think. Now, Brian, you're probably smarter than me and uh, got many more life experiences than me. The average is 900, but people could think it up to 1,600, 2,000 words per minute. At that speed of thinking, the first thing that they say is only 5% of what they're thinking. So if you're having a conversation with somebody and only listening to what they say the first time, you've got an 86% chance that you haven't heard what they really think and what they really mean. And if you can just spend a little bit more time to ask one extra question and hear the next 14% of what they've got to say, well, mistakes on site will be much smaller the cost overruns will be much smaller because everybody understands what they're thinking as well as what they're saying as well. So be careful. Listening to what the speaker says might sound like really interesting active listening, but the maths and the neuroscience of listening says you've only heard the first 14% of what they think. Wow, this is such great content, such great ideas. You know, I, I know that people feel valued when they're listened to. And, you know, in the workplace, you just mentioned it, that just the expense, the cost of not listening. You get these workers who just don't feel engaged. Now they're not doing what they're supposed to do. You said that uh, I may be smarter than you. My, my listeners will know I like to call things Brian proof. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I always want to be surrounded by other people that are very smart. But this whole listening piece, I've learned, as you alluded to, I try to ask four clarifying questions. It's it's difficult at first because, like you said, we, we make assumptions and we, we make uh, positions on the 
first few sentences we hear from someone instead of thoroughly listening and asking questions and, and making sure we even understood what the person said. So I like that part about asking questions. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict, reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode. What's some tools? Brian, Brian what's, what's this go-to? What's your go-to clarifying question? What's the first question you typically ask to clarify something? Sometimes I repeat what they said as a question, you know, frame it as a question. So, Oscar, if I understood you correctly, you said that uh, people that don't aren't listened to don't do as well, don't don't meet the little deliverables, don't meet the specifications. Is, is that correct? Is that what I understood you say? Hmm. And so I like that three-part communication where you're 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 responding to the you're hearing them and then repeating back what you heard and confirming it. Yeah, and and to build on that, one thing to keep in mind is, as the listener, it's not your job to understand and process the content all the time. A great listener will help the speaker process what they're thinking and what they haven't said. So sometimes the paraphrasing can box the conversation in and sometimes it can liberate it. My go-to question always is what will make this a great conversation for you? And then they typically will tell me a problem. And then the next question is really simple. How long have you been thinking about it? And that's a really very high yielding question because if they've been thinking about it for five minutes, okay, you've probably got a range of options for them that they haven't considered. But if they've been thinking about it for five months, then all the wonderful suggestions you're going to come up with, they've probably already thought about as well, which is the follow-up question. What alternatives have you considered already? Because a lot of the times people get really frustrated with a really quick suggestion, which are posed as questions, but in fact are really statements. So... One of the things we know from the neuroscience and linguistics of listening is the shorter the question, the higher the yield. So if your question or your paraphrase is more than eight words, it's biased or unproductive. So there's a little hack for everybody to think about. If you're posing a question with more than eight words, it's probably some point you're trying to make rather than a question to open up the thinking of both of you. I, I like, well, I don't like, I call those, those leading questions. You know, sometimes you try to lead people to the answer you want instead of discovery questions where you're really just trying to understand the Oscar's point of view instead of, instead of Brian's perception of that. So I think that's great. Another thing I've learned to do is take notes. And so if I got a question bouncing around in my head, that, that's something we're talking about, I'll write that question down and continue to allow you to speak so I can hear you out. And guess what, Oscar? 60, 70% of the time you wind up answering the question that was bouncing around in my head, but it does help me to get it down on paper so it doesn't continue to bounce around in my head. Yeah, and it's a really useful technique to do. And when I've interviewed 
World Memory Champions. Uh, can you believe there's an Olympics for World Memory Champions? They would say keep very short notes. Uh, if you can make them pictures, even better. But don't try and what, write a full sentence. Again, keep your words very short, and they would say three to five words every two to three minutes. So if you want to capture a question, sure, go ahead, no problem. And one of the things I say about note-taking is sometimes we take notes for ourselves and sometimes we need to share the notes because it's part of a broader group conversation as well. So be clear at the beginning of a conversation. If you've got to make decisions, agree actions, track progress and accountability, make sure that the note-taking is agreed up front. Who's taking notes? Because quite often you'll get into a situation where you're both listening you both have your own set of notes and then you get to the end of the meeting and you compare notes and you realize, well, actually, <laughs> we've kind of got still got a different perspective. We've just taken it in notes. So note taking is a really powerful way as you have Brian proofed it right then between 60 and 90 seconds, you will e either have the question answered by them or they will solve their own question when you when you jot it down. So Note-taking is really crucial when it comes to listening. That's great. So you have interviewed thousands of people now. Tell us some points and tips you've learned from others about this listening. I think the biggest insight that people get, Brian, is when they know the, the maths of listening. So 125 and 900, the speaker's speaking speed and thinking speed but also 400, which is your listening speed. You can listen four times faster than I can speak. And as a result, you will drift off. Your mind will wander. You will problem solve. You will try and fix. And one of the things I've learned is the great listeners have really genuine curiosity. Well, most people listen for similarities. They listen and pattern match based on their history, based on their work experience, based on their culture, their family history, their education, their upbringing. What great listeners do is they listen for similarities and they listen for differences. So they choose which one is going to be most helpful in any one situation. So a lot of people don't realize that three is half of eight. Most people don't realize that zero is half of eight. And if you're confused right now, it's because you're pattern matching. You're going, no, Oscar, you're wrong. Four is half of eight. It's true mathematically, but if you draw the figure eight on a piece of paper and fold it in half, and then you bisect it vertically, and then cut the piece of paper in half, you've got two threes there. And if you cut it horizontally in half, you've got two zeros there as well. But most people go into conversations when somebody mentions something that doesn't fit their patterns and it's the equivalent is three or zero is half of eight because their mind is screaming, you're wrong, four is half of eight, I don't care if I'm on the moon, Mars or on earth, four is still half of eight. So notice and be conscious when you get to that point where you get to disagreement or you go, that doesn't match what I say. That's a signal to your mind to go, right now you're listening for similarities, you're not listening for differences. So when, when we've interviewed high court judges and hostage negotiators and deaf interpreters and deaf musicians and blind echo locators who teach other people how to ride bikes completely blind, 
all they have in common is a really innate ability to have an open mind to look just because that person said something that doesn't match my data my evidence my history doesn't mean it's wrong just be curious about that uh, about four years ago i was talking to somebody in chicago and they they said we've got a really grumpy uncle every thanksgiving thanksgiving dinner starts exactly the same everybody's calm everybody's relaxed but the grumpy uncle starts off by the end of the main course and completely disrupts the discussion with his political point of view that has been going on about for decades oscar how should we listen to him because we all have different opinions and i simply said ask grumpy uncle <laughs> when did he first form this opinion and they were shocked for the first time that thanksgiving dinner had a very different texture to it they asked the grumpy uncle when did you first form this opinion and he said look when you can't when he came back from vietnam the country his neighborhood they all ignored his service nobody paid attention to him nobody cared and this is the first time anybody's ever asked me this question and for the rest of thanksgiving dinner the entire family was spellbound by the stories he told of his courage his determination from his time at vietnam that he never had the opportunity to tell anybody now I've stayed in touch with those people and that thanksgiving dinner has only got better and better so how many grumpy uncles do you have in your life where you haven't taken the time to understand when did they first form that opinion rather than disagreeing with it in the first instance because listening is the willingness to have your mind changed it's not having your mind changed it's the willingness the openness and the curiosity to go i wonder what's different about what they say and i wonder what i can learn from that i can see that's got your mind ticking brian uh you, you my mind's going all over the place with everything you're talking about you know you first started with the the half of eight is three and then the zero and, and i'm just thinking about we use a beach ball and when we talk about perspectives and so one side of the beach ball may be white blue and green and the other side of the beach ball is red white and yellow and i hold that that beach ball up and i say what colors do you see and then i argue with the person about the colors they see versus the colors i'm seeing and it's so important that we think about perspective Where, where's someone coming from so when you're coming from you know the the shape of the eight versus the the numerical number of the eight it's, it's totally different and, and and that's that's a, i love that analogy and, and then you know to find out this this grumpy uncle's perspective on you know why he he has these viewpoints and then realize understand and respect it that's that's what i love about truly listening so i want to ask you a question you've studied this thoroughly what is there a difference in listening between genders If you look at the evidence base and the academic research, the answer is there is no statistical discernible difference between gendered listening styles. There is research that says uh, females have a preference for listening for relational context more. They listen for emotion more, whereas men listen more for time. So they're very conscious of time and they also listen to solve, to fix. So if you had to make it into a really simple statement, the evidence says men 
listen to fix and women listen to feel. But no matter what it is, statistically, there isn't enough variation to make a uniform rule for everybody to do this. And I would say to everybody, learn, you can learn from the way other people listen. But ultimately, the most important thing for you to do is to improve your listening in every conversation, in every meeting, in every moment, in every week, in every month, no matter where you're starting from, whatever your gender is, just make a little bit of progress there. And if there's something you can learn from someone else in how they listen, tremendous. But the evidence is absolutely clear that there's no discernible difference between genders when it comes to listening. The evidence is very clear on one thing, though, Brian. Men think they are vastly better listeners than women when it comes to a self-assessment scale. So when you ask the speaker how well the listener is listening, so the listener is being assessed by the speaker, the numbers turn around the other way and they believe that women listen better than men in that case. But the self-assessment bias is huge because 74% of people will rate themselves either above average or well above average listeners but when you ask the speaker that exact same question only 12 percent of people fit into the well above or above average categories when it comes to listening so the biggest problem both genders have when it comes to listening they think they're much better at it because they've never been taught it they don't have a framework and that's what the deep listening ambassador community and myself, we're on this quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world because we think as a result of that, people will enjoy their work more. You'll attract the right kind of customers because you're listening to them. Profitability will be higher because you won't do the rework again. So that's why I'm so passionate about the topic. That is great. Let me ask you another question here. You know, you mentioned about people think they're better listeners than they are. I've learned that people only retain about 14 to 17% of what they hear. So knowing that I've learned to be compassionate with others and realize I may have told them something, but frankly, statistically speaking, they didn't hear it. So how do you uh, work around those type of issues? Yeah, statistically they heard it, but they, they didn't keep it in long-term memory. I think that there's a, there's a little difference there. I think your compassion is really, really critical because everybody's got so many competing things in there. I remember I was working with one of my favorite clients, Jennifer, and she was texting under the table. And I just paused and asked her, is everything okay? And she said, no. What had happened is her mother-in-law had fallen over, probably broken her hip, and she was trying to coordinate between her sister-in-law, her son, and her husband to organize an ambulance to get to her house. Now, we don't know what's going on for people when we're in a conversation. So a very small sprinkling of compassion will make a really big difference to everybody when it comes to our listening. People won't remember everything you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. That is great. I love that thought that we, you know, they won't remember everything you say, but how you make them feel. That's a great place to close out the podcast that we, we run out of time here. Let me bring up your website for those that are watching on YouTube. And I'll, I'll put this in the show notes for those who are listening. But it's, hey, for listeners, it's 
listeningquiz.com. So tell our listeners what they can find there. Yeah, if you visit listeningquiz.com, you can spend between three and seven minutes. On average, most people complete the quiz in about four and a half minutes. And we ask you 20 questions and we'll show you your primary listening barrier and give you some tips about what to do with that straight away. And if you want, you can get the full report there as well. So listeningquiz.com, rather than discover anything about me, you can just discover a bit more about what's going to get in the way of your listening and how to take the next steps to improving your listening as well. Oscar, that's great. Thanks for being on the podcast today. We appreciate everything you shared with us about listening and how important it is. For the listeners, I would love for you to go over to our website, buildcs.net. Look at the trainings we offer there, our DISC assessments, where you can learn to communicate with other personality types. That's always fun to learn as well. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Remember to build yourself and to build others. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.